Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, and today I am with my good friend, Dr. Tim Durkee, who goes back a long way with me, and we're going to have a great discussion, I think, on various things that uh, mom and dad, you need to listen to because we're going to talk about uh, ideas that are going to affect your family, education, and uh, I want to get Tim, who's Dr. Tim Durkee, I want to get his perspective on some of these things. Uh, Tim and I were friends for many years. You grew up here at Camp too. What? When did we meet? Uh, 1968. Yeah, so yeah. a few years ago, 54 summers ago, actually. <laughs> And we're still friends. We were roommates a year in college, and uh, he's been on our board, and we're just excited to be able to, to share the ministry with him. And Tim's a good thinker. I love having him on the program. Uh, what do you do for a living, Tim? I'm a, uh, by trade, I'm an obstetrician gynecologist okay. in Rockford, Illinois. Um, I'm a faculty member of the College of Medicine at University of Illinois. I was the former department chair there in the clerkship director, and now um, also an alderman in the city of Rockford. So you're in politics, and you're in business, and actually you're in ministry because you're the chairman of our board here at Silver Birch Ranch presently. So it, it's it's fun to see somebody. What, why are you so busy? I mean, why do you do these things? You do not need to be on the Rockford City, whatever it is, council, whatever, whatever your title is. You don't need to be here on this board. You've got enough to do. You were serving as a teacher for the University of Illinois, and you have a practice. So why do you keep yourself so busy? I, I don't know. I drink a lot of coffee and <laughs> the caffeine. It's the caffeine effect. I don't know. It's uh, it's it's interest. It you know you you like being involved and and you know I guess we're brought up uh, trying to live a lives of service and so they're all service oriented jobs really. I mean the alderman you really serve people, uh, teacher. Uh, is obviously a servant, mentor, um, as well as a physician. A uh, physician really is a servant uh, position. So I, I guess that's that there is a tie into all those things. Yeah, there is. You, you know, it's interesting. I, I have this theory. Uh, as I read the Bible, I realize that community is very important, uh, it, whether it be a church community, whatever it might be. The body of Christ is important. But I think today people are trying to get community by sitting around sipping coffee rather than serving together. And I think community comes from serving, not just sitting and looking at each other. Well, you don't, uh, when people, I really uh, crack up when you hear Twitter refers to as the Twitter community or Facebook community. It's, it's the exact opposite of community. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, I don't see any connection uh, at all the community. I think we're the most connected, lonely population, I think, that I've seen in a while. People don't know how to talk to each other. Um, they, they could tweet and they can text, but engaging somebody in conversation, it's, sometimes it's very uncomfortable. I see it, you know, as I've been working up this week, I will sit across from a high school student worker who I've never met before, and it's funny to sit, and they won't say anything. Yep. Until I do. And yep. it, it is it's it's uh it's interesting. So I you know, I I've met any number of the, the high school staff here that way, uh, in just the past couple of days. But but I bet if I sent them a text they would answer right away. I bet you they would. I bet you would burn a <laughs> hole in their pocket. So yeah. they, they have to They'd grab their phone right away. Yeah. You know it's interesting, uh, again, we've served here in this ministry for many years and for uh, my dad died thirty years ago and since then I've been teaching the 
the junior middler campers, which is third grade through like seventh graders. And uh, every year I'm just amazed that I just get in front of them. I share with them like a grandpa would. You know, I mean, I, I share that, that God loves them, that I want them to love God. They are my best friends by the end of the week. They're running around. Wherever I go, they want to be by me. They want to talk. They want to. I see this real hunger for relationships with adults that they really do have, but I don't think they know how to work it out most of the time. You know, one of the, the very important factors, I think, in the Bible is the idea of having significant adult relationships outside of your home. In fact, uh, your daughter came up to camp, and she walks in the door. I see her. She walks right over to me and gives me a big hug, and we talk. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's, it's like we're old friends, and you know, how old is she? Uh, 22. 22 years old. I think. She walks right up to me. We talk. We're, we're buddies. It's, it's really fun to see relationships that are healthy for people and help them understand who they are through the years. And the thing is, I remember your daughter, when she was eight years old, sitting in the front row, listening to the same messages I was giving to the kids this week. And uh, I, I'm just touched by that. I don't want to encourage those that are listening. It makes a big difference that you love people and love God and you spend time with people. Spend time with them. Not just yeah. internet time and not just tweeting or, or Facebook time. And, and, and that probably all has its place somewhere. But, but the bottom line really is you look at people and get into their heads and talk to them and, and enjoy them. Uh, there's nothing like seeing a camp full of kids for me act like kids. They do some of the silliest things, and they enjoy being kids. They will run around and enjoy being with one another. I mean, half the time you're walking around saying, hey, you probably shouldn't climb that tree like that. You know, I mean, it, it, but they're kids enjoying themselves in the woods. And uh, I think, you know, we've all seen that. And, and I know you're dedicated a lot of your life to teaching kids. Well, they, you know, it's, it's funny because, you know, you think back about all those years, even even some years at Wheaton College, and, and you, you uh, I like to call them foundational friends. I mean, these are, these are people who uh, you've had significant relationships with that walk with God and live lives uh, by, by principle and, and virtue and the positive influence that people can have on each other. Um, you know the, the the Bible talks about that iron sharpening iron about brothers dwelling in unity and and the Bible is is pretty clear on people relationships and and such and what's uh, interesting is I I don't know I it's maybe I don't hang around them that much but I don't know if if students and people now are building these found uh, a good group of foundational friends that they can turn to in times of trouble or stress or. Uh, sorrow, and or people who can talk to them honestly and say, you know, you messed up here, and, and we we I we got to help you fix this. Or, hey, you know, I I, I did this, or I, I said this to somebody. Was I was I off base? You know, tell me what you think about my behavior or whatever. But people who can honestly assess assess each other and and they grow together into adulthood, and those uh, friendships like ours are are priceless and they and they last forever i mean we think you know some of the guys that we knew in college one comes to mind chuck phillips yeah i mean chuck and i have seen each other maybe six times since college which was 
you know, was that 40 years ago? Yeah, it was. <laughs> 40 years ago. But, I mean, he's as strong as a friend uh, as as ever. And um, But those things are important. And uh, so I sometimes wonder... Um, you know what? How our youth is is navigating the waters of life um, without that, and and substituting social media or Twitter or staying glued to Netflix or whatever it is, um, gaming, um, and not developing that. You know. Yeah. You know, I I think you. What's interesting to me is that social media seems like you can pretend to be whatever you want on that. And pretend to be okay, but life, you know, face to face, it's hard to pretend. Yeah. So if you really want to stay in your little pretend world, you got to stay on social media and stay away from people, because once you get in front of them, you know, they're they're going to get to know you. But it seems like the the culture itself is going down a path where it's really hard for anyone to even confront anybody on anything without them getting angry. In fact, I just read a study by Billy Barna that. A vast majority of people who are millennials that profess that they're practicing Christians say that they should not tell anyone else about Jesus because they don't want to offend them. Yeah. And I'm sitting there thinking, really? Kind well, of- but, you know, I think part of that is uh, we, we live in a very thin-skinned culture, too. People don't know how to handle conflict anymore. I um, mean, you, you, you know, you, you, you say things to them and rather than, you know, if you have a difference of opinion, rather than engaging in, in a discussion, uh, it escalates and, uh, and it, it somewhat gets, gets out of control. And I, people don't, they don't take it very well. I mean, you, you'll say something to, to somebody and, and, you know, on the, on the phone or, or whatever, customer service line, and they all they get a little bent very, very quickly at w- when you criticize either their company or whatever it is. It's it's kind of funny how quickly people resort. Don't talk to me like that. And you're just like, what are you what are you talking yeah. about? Is how do you a- deal with medical students then? Where we're really, I mean, obviously, medicine is a practice. I mean, we understand that. But at the same point, there's some very standard principles that you have to apply in medicine. And if somebody's doing it wrong. They need someone like yourself, who's an experienced doctor, to say, no, that's not right. How, how do you train young medical students or those who are, what are I don't know all the language, interns or, or residents or whatever they are. How do you, do you train them to be able to take criticism or, or do they fail because they can't take criticism? Or, or what is the, the atmosphere for the doctors coming up in, in, through the ranks? You know, I, you know my... A little bit of my experience is, you know, medical students are, are a little bit of the same way. Um, the, the, you know, often the faculty member, there's there's some scoring that's done that's uh, put out by the, I guess, the American Association of uh, Medical Colleges. They, they do a survey. And one of the things that's assessed is the student satisfaction score. And... Um, I get a little weary of that. And, you know, sometimes we have the tail wagging the dog. Um, You know, when students make a mistake or people make a mistake, uh, you know, in our generation, there was a lot of self-flagellation. I mean, you you sort of beat yourself up over it. Um, And, you know, whatever somebody told you, 
you didn't I, I don't think you felt worse than you already felt yourself. Now it, it seems like you know s- certain criticisms are not taken very well, and um, I'm not, I th- there's you know a decidedly thinner skinned student. I don't think it's germane to medical school. I think it's just in general, people don't like to be told that they're wrong or they don't they they don't they, they don't like receiving criticism sometimes and if they do receive it they want it in a certain way right so in other words you can't you're not allowed to show anger at a situation and which you should be able to show anger at a situation if something goes wrong and it makes you angry you should you should demonstrate that this makes you angry or frustrated now anger can be shown we we don't advocate throwing things through a window but there can be a display that this is frustrating or this makes me angry because things make us angry. The idea is to control that response, but people don't receive that very well. They don't receive an, an annoyance or, or you know, you have a, for instance, you have a particular student that just takes too long with a patient in the office and we're on a schedule and when you say, you know, you really need to spe- speed up, they don't sometimes take that very well. Right. And so some do, some don't. But when you turn, um, when medical schools are assessed based upon student perspectives as a primary uh, endpoint, that starts to get a little problematic as far as the tail wagging the horse. I get the intent. I understand that. But students don't often have the perspective that... um, they need to in, in assessing, you know, what in a sense a good learning environment. Right now, a lot of medicine where it's taught is corporate. It's, uh, you know, there there's a patient to be seen and there's bills to be paid, lights to be paid for, overhead and things like that. And uh, students uh, sometimes, you know, get their secondary. And so they, when that happens and you have to move along in the office and say this is a bad situation, well. It's too bad. It's the way it is. And and there's nothing you can complain, but there's nothing you can do. And you try to explain that to them. It doesn't help. But but overall, yeah, I you know, it seems like um, the, the transition, thin skin, I'm, I'm right. You know, can't – we live in a culture where you can't tell me I'm wrong. Yeah. So and 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 people are free to believe whatever they want, and without it, nobody wants to hear you're wrong. And when you say that, they they get a little annoyed. So I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think there's an absence of relationships at every single level. Um, it, when I look at it, I I think that in in homes there's absence of relationship. I think that, that dads and moms just don't spend the time with their kids face to face. You know, they really used to many years ago. I, I think in business, there's an absence of relationship. I think in schools, I think in churches, there's an absence. For example, I think many churches changed to where the, the senior pastor, the lead pastor became a teacher, but not necessarily a shepherd, not, not necessarily one who was in relationships with the people, but became a teacher of the people. And I honestly think that that affects the learning process because if you're just a teacher, if that's all you are, then if there's no relationship, then you're going to get judged a certain way. If, For example, Tim, if you were a, a shepherd, uh, someone who cared about me personally, and you are, you're a friend, and you're, so you care about me personally. So what I will do is try and figure out 
what you're actually trying to tell me, even if it's clumsy, because you're my friend. And, and if a pastor at a church is a good shepherd, he cares for your family, cares for people, you listen to what he says. He doesn't have to be eloquent in everything. You, you listen because his heart is there. Now, in this pandemic, I think what happened is a lot of people started to just listen to teaching. And they realized, well, I can get good teaching anywhere. And so now, what's the purpose of church? And when I hear that, it's like, well, you're right. If your church is about non-relational, just teaching, you can get that online, you know, if that's all it is. And I'm thinking that right now in our culture everywhere, whether it be schools, med- you know, medical areas, churches, they're reevaluating what's important coming out of this pandemic. Like, what is it that we need to do? There's too many kids, uh, I, I think. There's too many people that are not mentally well. There's too many people that can no longer engage themselves in a, in a proper relationship face-to-face with somebody. And uh, you know, we're seeing here at camp a hunger for those things, that we really are, that the people want to figure out how to be in relationships and they want to be do you know they're they're having struggle all over the country finding enough workers for various jobs we didn't struggle for that we turned people away because people want to be in an environment where they are in relationship with other people right now and they're seeing the value of that so i'm really thinking that in many respects um i was sharing with you that that many times you go to a doctor and that's your field of expertise and that I don't have a relationship with my doctor I used to but I don't anymore so now to me it's just words I can find the one that gives me the words the way I like them the best I guess now because it's it seems to have changed in many respects that relationships for some are on the side and academics and teaching and and whatever is front and center, but there's no relationship there. So you kind of fade away from it. And I would rather find an old doctor that's not as sharp as he used to be, you know, that would sit there and say, here's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking you need to, uh, you know, sleep more or something, you know, whatever it might be. Um, Anyway, I I think, how do you you have relationships anymore with patients when they come in as far as? Yeah. yeah. Well, I try to, I, you know, we're, I, uh, I I I guess yeah, it's maybe an old style thing. You know, you you are cognizant of time, and you you know patients do want to get in, and you do have to see them in a certain time frame, and that always has been the case. But you know, when the fifteen minute slot is up, you don't always you know give them the bums rush out the door. Sometimes people will unload on on you, and and a fifteen minute time slot turns into forty five minutes. And it's sometimes hard to navigate because now the next patients, you know, they're going to, you know, they're, they have places to go and, and things to do. And, but uh, I, you know, I try to talk to them as, you know, as best I can and, uh, you, know, real, you know, build that physician-patient relationship and, and speak honestly and, and talk with them about, you know, life in general. That's what makes medicine good is is the, doc, the patient-physician relationship. Sometimes that corporately that that's changing because now it's turning into a patient customer relationship well that word has a whole different connotation and so patients are being treated like customers and using customer service sorts of perspectives i get what's trying to be done but i disagree with you know much of 
than you know the the uh, fallout from moving in that direction. But par- I mean, it, I you know it's interesting you brought up relations. It even starts sometimes in the physician's office, where a a a um, parent would be in a physician's office and they'd have a book and be reading to their uh, young one, you know, however old they are. Sure. Be sitting and and the chair waiting for you and come in and they're reading a book. Now they're both on their uh, the the kid no you know the age you know three, they're looking at some form of iPhone or some kind of pad and and the the mother's looking at something else. They're they're already, the the relationship is already compromised. Yeah. I mean, when was the last time? I mean, I, I'd have to the last time I saw you know, you know, uh, as a routine basis you know. Parents reading to their kids. They don't even do that anymore. I, I don't know, but the, that strain. So I, I agree. I, I think we're, and I agree even about the pastor. If I go to a church, I really would like the, the pastor to know who I am. And um, and it, it can be frustrating to go to, a, you know, a larger church. And I agree with you. I, I don't know what it, I don't know what that means, teaching pastor. It sounds so avant-garde and it sounds so trendy. Um, and you know, whatever. I, but it, I think it's the, the pat. The word pastor's lost its meaning, and yeah. what, you know, and because of that, I don't. People go into a church; they don't even know what a pastor is anymore. Right. Oh, you mean you get you got a guy that knows who you are, really? And he stands up in front and he talks, but he and he knows your birthday. Yep. Does that ever happen? Yep. You know, it's it, again. It's interesting to watch young people respond on the very first night when the. You know, third graders are here and in that age group. I'll stand up front and I'll just say, you know, I'm so glad you're here. I I really want you to know God and I really want you to know that he loves you. This is some stuff that's very important to me. And right away from the beginning, those kids start tying together that I care about them. And, And that makes all the difference in the world. And I'm thinking that's a way that God made us to be. He made us to be in relationship with him and one another not to be corporate with him and one another. When you're corporate with God, you become religious. But, but you don't know God. You're not in a relationship with him. And likewise, you can become, if you want to call it, religious with people, where, where you say all the right things, do all the right things, and are lonely as all get out because you're not with people, and you're really not in a relationship with them. That's why we talked about earlier. We go way back, and, and we used to come up here to camp and serve together, and that service together breaks down. I mean, you, when you're wheelbarrow and cement side by side with somebody, you get to know them. And, and you're both sweating and you're both, you know, and, and tired and, and grumpy. Not only that, my dad, who was our pastor, not your pastor, but my pastor, and of course, your pastor up here when, when you were here, was, uh, was right there wheeling it with us. So you, you, you were all together and those people stayed close for their life. And uh, that's something I just keep telling young people, you need to get out and serve together. And that they go, yeah, well, I do. I go on this weekend thing. I said, well, that's nice, but that's not what I'm talking about. Uh, in fact, Tim, I, the other day I went and talked to a youth guy that's going to be a youth pastor, and he was just talking about general things. And, and I said, you know what? Let me challenge you with something. Years ago, here's the principle. I don't know if you can replicate this or not, but years ago, the, my dad used to have his youth pastor come up to camp all summer. And, and he used to have him come up all summer so that he could take a, a key group of maybe 20 high school kids and have them serve and learn to serve and, and teach them the Bible, learn to serve and really work with them. The, the fruit of that is you and me sitting here. I mean, the fruit yeah. of that, it was tremendous. We don't see that happening today. 
And uh, I think in some respects that historically we're at a weird point in life where the most important thing to us is really comfort rather than achieving anything. And, and so if it gets in the way of our comfort, then we really need to do something else because comfort is king. Um, I was telling a kid, our house up here, we have one little air conditioner in it. And I'm not against air conditioners. Don't write me and tell me. I, I'm just saying we have one little, the smallest one they make, I think. It's in the back bedroom. And I'll turn it on if uh, my allergies are bad or something like that. Again, we live in northern Wisconsin. It's not a big deal. You can open your windows half the time and you're fine. But I grew up in Chicago and we didn't have air conditioning. You know, I mean, it's like it wasn't something. And today I talk to kids and it's like, you don't have air conditioning in your cabins? Uh, no. Open the window and turn the, yeah. yeah the I can't be uncomfortable. And I'm thinking, you know what, maybe, maybe we should go back to, tell me if I'm sadistic on this time, but maybe we should go back to a time where we start doing stuff that's uncomfortable so that we could be with other people and accomplish something other than just be comfortable because it doesn't seem to challenge us if we just stay comfortable. Yeah. The, uh, it's, it's interesting you brought, we've talked about the pastor and knowing, knowing people. I, I remember um, a book, Knowing God by J.I. Packer, and in his preface or in the first chapter, he made a big deal about there's people who know about God and there's people who know God. And and when we talk about pastors, um, pastors we know who walk with God, and we they as they follow God, we follow the pastor. The pastor knows us intimately, and that should be the the goal. And it, it, it's it, in Christian community is the same way. We know a, a lot about people, but we don't know them. So I alluded to we're probably the most connected but lonely. Uh, culture right now we we you know you can name things about people yeah they live in rockford they they drive a chevy they have three kids but you don't know the heart the heart of uh, of the people that that you hang around and and what's interesting the relationships and the adult relationships and friends that i've developed in later years have always been focused around ministry either working uh, through Rockford Christian Schools uh, in Rockford or in a ministry called Kids Around the World or, and even continued here at Silver Birch or in church. Those were the significant relationships, you know, those foundational relationships occur. I, you know, I work with people, you know, and my colleagues uh, as well, and, and we toil together, and there's, there's, a, uh, there's a relationship there. But I agree with you. You you connect with people in service and as you toil together toward a a common end. And that's really how you, uh, that's the fulfilling relationship and a meaningful relationship that that you have with people. Otherwise, you stumble around and life gets lonely. Yeah, you know, I think, think, sometimes I think some of the millennial generation, the younger people, what they've done— is they've tried to develop these great friendships around doing nothing together and trying to be comfortable together. And, and then they're wondering why they're lonely and it's not working. I think that God made us to die to ourselves and serve together as a body, different gifts using different things. You know, as, as you serve on our board, you do different things. 
We try and take advantage of the gifts and talents God gave you. Take advantage of my gifts and talents. We put them together and we can serve together the way God intended us to serve. We're going to keep talking for another segment here, but we thank you for joining us uh, right now in this program we call Younger Older, brought to you in the studios of Relate365.com on the campus of the Nick Lake Bible Institute. Goodbye for now. <laughs> 